Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. And we're back on the College Football Survivor Show talking more spring football. Four more teams today, Shahan, that we want to talk about who have played their spring football games. Talk about what happened with them in spring football, how they looked. We're going to start with USC. Then we're going to hit Penn State. We're going to hit Tennessee. And we're going to hit Florida State at the end. And I will tell you, Shahan, there was one of those four teams that I thought, you could take this team, put them on the field tomorrow, and contend for a playoff spot. They seem ready to go. But I won't tell you who I think that is yet. Did you have a team that you thought you were particularly impressed with? Or did you think, hey, these are all pretty good teams that have some flaws and some some peaks? I mean, I, I think that certainly I never want to read too much into a spring game. But I did feel like there was one team. Do you want me to say now or do you want no, me to let's wait save for it? That's when we okay, get to that team. It. Maybe, it's, it. maybe it's in eight seconds when we start talking about USC. And if it is, you can say, Doug, <laughs> it's this team. But if it's not, then we'll wait because we're going to talk about USC first. And I think in the end, Shahan, I can't help but talk about the USC defense first. I'm sorry. I was like, no, we'll do the offense first because the offense is more fun. We'll do the defense second. Like, nope, nope, nope. I just changed right now. We have to do the defense first because Lincoln Riley said this. This is a quote he gave to all the wonderful reporters who cover USC during spring football. We all know deep down we had some holes there last year. That was not about the field at USC. That was not about the uniforms at USC. That was about the defense at USC, Shahan. So this is one of those. This happened at Miami last year in the middle of the season when Mario Cristobal was like, why did you guys think we're going to be good? I didn't tell you we were going to be good. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> now, Lincoln Riley, all last year, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, this USC defense, they live on turnovers. How good are they? And now here we are in the spring, and Lincoln Riley's like, yeah, we knew it. What do you Come on. What do you, what do you want <laughs> us to do? Now, they almost made the playoff anyway, but did you, when you hear a quote like that from a head coach, Shahan, what does it make you think? Did it need to be said about the USC defense of a year ago? <laughs> I mean, I think it's always nice to get an acknowledgement of reality and look these guys aren't dumb right they, they these guys aren't dumb lincoln riley can look at any stat and realize that usc ranked outside of the top 100 in basically everything defensively last year and you know i mean the the beginning of his era at oklahoma was defined by making a change of defensive coordinator by moving on from mike stoops and bringing in alex grinch so lincoln riley knows what's happening with this program but i do think it's always nice to get a public acknowledgement of it uh even if it is in that kind of small way so we'll take it so it's also one of those you you don't you say it about the guys who were out the door and then it's like oh but these guys now they're gonna change it now these were the good guys you don't realize we didn't tell we lost an all-american and actually you know it wasn't any of these guys faults no But the funny thing, so I looked at the snap counts on PFF for USC. Of the 14 defensive players for USC last year who played at least 400 snaps, only five are gone and nine are back. But of the nine who are back, five might lose their jobs. 
I think is as you try to look at the depth chart and what they've done and just the way things unfolded in spring, they'll still play a little, but I don't know that they're going to be starters. They're not going to be, hey, we're playing more than 400 snaps this year because there is part of me, Shahan, when it's like, okay, sometimes it's nice to have returning starters. It's not nice to have returning starters if it's from a group that did not achieve what you wanted them to achieve. So it's like, oh, it's going to be like 70% of the same guys, but it's not. And it's because when you try to maybe project from what we saw in the spring, a USC starting defense for this season, compared to a year ago, roughly speaking, you're probably looking at four guys who are back, five transfers who are new now, because like three of the four guys who are back were transfers before, but five new transfers, and then I think probably two guys who were like top 75 national recruits who are now ready to be starters. So this remains, it remains. And that's not even talking about the possible addition of Bear Alexander on the defensive line. That's not Lincoln Riley talking about. He came out of spring and in his last post-spring news conference said, hey, portal, we're looking at defensive line and offensive line depth. We're not talking about that yet. They do. They already have some transfers on the offensive line. It still feels like a program in flux a little bit, Shahan. I, I don't know. Like, is that they they kind of did this a year ago? Now they're going to round two of it. Does that mean round two will work better than round one, or do we have to wait for this to settle a little bit? Can you contend? They contended for a national title last year. Can you make the playoff or win a national title starting five or six first year transfers on your defense? So these are two separate questions, right? Can you win a national title that way? No, no, you can't win a national title that way. Can you make the playoff? I, I mean, they almost did it last year. They were a Caleb Williams injury away in the Pac-12 title game from doing it. And I think that whenever you have returners, because like you mentioned, there are five-ish guys who might not actually uh, start for this team who played major roles last year. I think that generally speaking, that's a positive, right? I, I think that generally speaking, because you know what those players are. And if you feel like you brought in players who can be better than those players, that's upside, right? Last year, everything is is blank slate. Nobody knows anything about anything. None of these coaches have ever coached these players before. So I think having known commodities and having guys come in and compete and, and beat out guys, I think that's a positive development. Now, you know, Lincoln Riley said it after last year. If things go right, this should be the worst team that they've ever had in 2022, right? They should only get better from here. Obviously, it doesn't always work out exactly that way. But I do think that there is some merit to that on the defensive side of the ball, especially because I do think, you know, that they obviously brought in a bunch more transfers. They have some young players who are growing up. Uh, you know, Corey Foreman is, is somebody on the defensive line who people have been waiting to kind of blow up. Damani Jackson was a top 10 recruit in the country last year who didn't really play last year because of injuries. And so you expect that eventually this stuff's going to come in. They added a transfer in Anthony Lucas on the on the defensive line, who I think is going to be a big-time player for them. So I, I think that there's good reason to feel like this is a unit that could be better. Now, Alex Grinch has to put them in good positions and call the right plays, and that's something that's been a little bit of an issue at times when it comes to Alex Grinch's defenses, but... I agree it's a roster in transition still. They are not a finished product by any means. And to, to be frank, I'm going to be curious in the next couple of years at USC to figure out what is a finished product for this mm. program? What is a finished product for a Lincoln Riley team? Because they are leaning so heavily on the transfer portal, which, I mean, again, when you look at the talent that they're getting, it makes sense that they are. They are still doing a good job in high school recruiting, though, as I've mentioned before, not my favorite thing that all of their top players are receivers and all of their worst players are defensive linemen. That is not a pathway to success for me, but they are sort of uh, making up for that through the transfer portal by adding a kid like Anthony Lucas, by adding a kid like Jack Sullivan, the Purdue transfer. So I, I think that they're being deliberate, but you know, I, I do think it is going to be interesting to see how that actually translates to the field. It's possible the entire defensive line 
not every guy in the rotation, but that they'll start all transfers. Jamil Muhammad from Georgia State, Jack Sullivan from Purdue, Anthony Lucas from Texas A&M, as you mentioned, and then uh, Kion Bars from Arizona, right, is another guy that's four on the defensive line. Mason Cobb at linebacker, people liked him in the spring from Oklahoma State. And then again, that's people seem to think that they have a good chance to get Bear Alexander from Georgia, who potentially is going to slot right into there. And then um, I do think Damani Jackson is a guy you bring up that, that this is like the next level of this, right? So Damani Jackson, top 10 national recruit, probably should start at corner this year. And then uh, one of the other interesting guys to watch, Zion Branch is a young guy at safety who has a chance yep. to, you know, there are some veteran guys ahead of him, but if you're going to get better and your defense wasn't good enough, you can't just play all the same guys. I think people covering USC are saying some that second safety spot. Uh, Kalen Bullock was an All-American last year at the one safety spot, sort of like that other safety spot for USC. Do they need a young guy to step up and seize that job? And all of a sudden that raises your talent level. And then you're there. There's a part of the, oh, and then we have to talk about, um, I guess people know this if you love USC. Do you know this? Sierra Wright, who was a top 100 national recruit in 2021 and will be a starting corner again for them this year. He was uh, fifth in snaps for them a year ago. He played LeBron's kid in the new Space Jam movie. Did you know that? Wait, yeah, right. I did not realize that. Yeah, he's like an actor. He's an LA kid. He's an actor, and he was in multiple movies and in Space Jam, Space Jam South Beach, or whatever the LeBron Space Jam was called. Um, he was LeBron's kid, so I mean, of course, that guy went to USC, but he's like a really good player. So there are some guys. I, I assume the older kid, not the younger kid. Did you watch the movie? Did you watch Space I Jam too? I saw it in the theater. My daughter loves basketball, so we we saw it in the theater. Was it good? Honestly, honestly, because uh, I, I love basketball as well, and I actually feel like this was a very bad movie if you liked basketball. Because <laughs> my biggest complaint with the second Space Jam movie is there was, like, no normal basketball scenes oh, at yeah. all. Like, everything was, like, eight levels of video game reference, and I'm not a, a video gamer, and I know that this movie was not made for me, but, like... You know what? That's the, that's the fun thing about the original Space Jam is that like it's still built on cool basketball things, and this this movie was very confusing to be quite honest. So, uh, it, you know, anyway, we, we can have a whole another podcast about breaking down Space Jam too. But uh, that is that is pretty wild. I do like the idea that that maybe that was a thing. Maybe that wasn't for you, Shahan. Maybe you aged out <laughs> of Space Jam too. <laughs> I'm a full 29 years old. I'm I'm too old for this new Space Jam world. Yeah. No, I like it. Welcome to my life. I'm aging out of everything. <laughs> so get ready, brother. It's going to happen even more. Um, Jacoby Covington, good spring game at corner, had a pick. They had yeah, a couple yeah. guys in the secondary. Two picks, actually. Yeah, two picks. Like They, they have some guys who, who look the part. Right. I mean, you line guys up. I'm always looking for lifeguards, right? You line them up. It's like, oh, are you six one with broad shoulders and 200 pounds of lean muscle? And like, let's do this thing. Like, they have some guys like that. But, and I know like this has been the deal with the defense. It just, it feels like they're still searching a little bit. And I thought it was interesting for Lincoln Riley to come as much as they've been in the portal. They have like 10 impact portal guys because their offensive line is a bunch of portal guys. And we'll get to that more specifically in a second. But Lincoln Riley comes out of the spring and is like, yeah, we're looking for more guys. We're looking for more portal guys on the offensive and defensive line. And that's easy to say when you might have Bear Alexander lined up, but like the second portal window is, as people know by now, there's a portal window that opens up like right when the season ends, like in December, and you get a lot of the real like, okay, I'm moving. This was not for me. I'm doing this. Now, the second window after spring might be, I went through spring football and I didn't win the job I thought I was going to win or whatever. I don't, I don't want to say there aren't going to be good portal players in this window, but and, and I don't want to use this word. To, this is a word I apply to the teams, not to the players. Good luck to every player finding the right place for himself to play. It's a little bit more of a desperation window to me yeah. of, okay, well, now we got through spring and we were like, oh, okay, we need some more stuff here. 
and that Lincoln Riley's coming and being like, yeah, both lines, both trenches, we, we're still looking. I, I get you want to add depth, and, and it's more depth than anything that Lincoln Riley's talking about wanting to add. But also, it's like, hey, are you, you going to, like, is this going to be a, a next step playoff team or not? I thought that was a little bit interesting, Sean. No. And, and so it's going to be something to keep an eye on for sure. At some point, <laughs> it feels like USC should be building a defense a traditional way, right? Like uh, eventually it feels like they're supposed to, you know, get enough players uh, on defense to where you have a normal progression cycle. And and obviously they were building from scratch in a lot of ways because of what Clay Helton left. And the expectation for Lincoln Riley was always to compete for the playoff right in year one and to win 10 games in year one. It's going to be interesting to see how they balance it. The one credit that I'll give them is that I think that they've done a really good job uh, in the portal of getting guys with multiple years. Like Anthony Lucas has more than three years left. I, I can't remember if it's three or four, but like he is a he is basically a freshman. Right. And so I, I think that well, that's from, going to be he's some- from Texas A&M. So he's part of that exploding Texas A&M recruiting class. So, yes. 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 And actually, I, I did notice this. Um, I think that there were I think that there were four players. I, I can't remember what the number was, but basically with Anthony Lucas coming like USC is starting to lock down the five stars in the West Coast. Like they are. Yeah, it's happening. Uh, you know, obviously, Damani Jackson was a big one. Malachi Nelson uh, was another five-star prospect from California. Like, they are actually starting to do the thing. And, and getting two players in Anthony Lucas and Damani Jackson, who are both five-star defensive players, probably is a bigger signal than anything else that, that uh, USC is doing. So I do think that they are trying to think long-term while still thinking short-term. But you obviously can't try to rebuild entire units of your team every single year through the portal that's not a reasonable thing to expect but it might work this year <laughs> so we'll keep an eye on it so Lincoln Riley said he, after the spring game he thought the the defense got in the backfield a few times he liked that Sam Green was a young guy at edge rusher that they th- maybe thought was more of a three tech that he got here and they're like hey this guy's pretty athletic let's move him to edge he had a good spring there were some guys who popped there were some young guys as you said they're in they have like, I think they might have had 20 plus new guys in for the spring. A lot of their young guys, as you said, higher rank guys are on the offensive side of the ball. Tackett Curtis at linebacker opened up a few guys. There were a couple guys, I think, on the defensive line that they think can be in the rotation, maybe as true freshmen. So, you know, there's some hope there, but there's not a lot of certainty still. There's just there's just not a lot of certainty on the defense. Offensively, they are probably looking at starting at least two portal guys on the offensive line. In um, Jarrett Kingston is a transfer guy, and Michael Tarquin is a transfer. Kingston is from Washington State. Tarquin is from Florida. And then this other guy, Ethan White, who transferred from Florida, was looking to compete, probably start in the interior offensive line with second-team All-SEC last year. And Lincoln Riley announced he he's, has an injury. He's probably going to have to retire from football. So he's not coming. So that was a thing. And they lost Cortland Ford going out in the transfer portal, who was a starting tackle for them at the beginning of last year, then kind of lost his job, but certainly would have been in the mix to be one of their top six or seven offensive linemen. So not getting a guy in the portal, they thought. Losing a guy in the portal, they maybe didn't think. They're a little short on offensive line. And again, it just, you know, hey, we already have two portal transfers on the offensive line, but we thought we we're going to have three and we're not. It's like, man, you're chasing, you're chasing, you're chasing. I just, they have a true freshman that people are talking about it at, at tackle Elijah page that maybe could start by the end of the year, but he's, he's not a top 20 national recruit. He's a top 200 national recruit. And you're talking about maybe you're hoping that guy can start. It just feels like they're chasing on the offensive line. Also, Shahan, when you have a thing like, Hey, we got a we had a guy from Florida coming into his second team, all sec. And we were kind of counting on him and now it's not going to happen. And it feels like that hurts them. And it's like, man, I don't know. Like that's maybe, maybe count a little bit too much on guys who aren't here yet. No, it's going to be difficult for them. I, I think that, you know, you can kind of plug depth in on defense, but you got to find a unit of five that works for offensive line. It, it is really hard to kind of just work through depth. And and look, they, they had good players on campus. They have a really, really, really good offensive line coach in Josh Henson. I, I think he's done a fantastic job. Uh, you know, he was at Texas A&M before that and was really the guy who turned that 2020 unit into an awesome unit, even though it had no right to be. So I feel like you give them some trust, but I also feel like people might not have 
given USC's offensive line enough credit last year for how experienced it was, how good it was. Obviously, they had two really, really big-time players as well. It is a lot to rely on this many transfers, and that's probably the position that we're going to need to keep the closest eye on, maybe even more than anything on defense, is that offensive line unit because it's so integral to what they do. And they're going to throw it. Caleb Williams only played one series in the spring game. It was a three-play touchdown drive that ended with a great catch by Mario Williams. And, okay, well, that's going to work. So Caleb Williams is going to be great. He's going to take the next step in that a year from now. He very likely will be ready to be the number one pick in the 2024 NFL draft. He might have a second Heisman by then. And the receiver room's pretty crazy. Dorian Singer, as a 1,000-yard receiver at Arizona, was second in the Pac-12 in receiving last year. He's transferring in. He looked good in the spring game. You're like, okay, well, that's going to work. Mario Williams back. That's going to work. Zachariah Branch, as a true freshman, showed some stuff in the spring game. That's going to work. And then they had, like, two or three other guys still. But, like, starting with those three, Shahan, you can see the weapons that Caleb Williams is going to have, and even losing Jordan Addison, who's going to be a first-round pick in this NFL draft, I think their receiver core might even be better than it was a year ago because it's going to be really deep, but you can see at least like maybe three or four really top-end guys there. And the other one is Relic Brown, who was a five-star recruit at running back. Now in year two, they're shifting him to slot receiver, and they're trying to do some some stuff with him already with some – bubble screens and some jet sweeps and some stuff like that. And like, that's maybe going to come around They're They're going to have the ball in the hands of some talented guys. No, it, it is a pretty incredible group. I'm glad you mentioned Zachariah Branch, obviously a player that we tried to trade last week uh, because we think that he has a chance to be really, really good. And right away, like you mentioned, Caleb Williams didn't, didn't play hardly at all in this game and went two for two for 55 yards and a touchdown. Pretty good. Uh, and also not the greatest endorsement of the USC defense. But uh, I, I think you looked at the fact that, that Miller Moss and Malachi Nelson, they targeted him more than any other player on the field. He had eight catches, Zachariah Branch did, for 94 yards in the spring game. So he's already earning the trust of the quarterbacks on campus, he's already going to be a a dynamic type player. Again, you know, the number one receiver coming out, he was a top five national recruits and he looks like that guy. And that was probably my big question. You know, I talked about this uh, with Texas a couple days ago. I I think that, you know, from a depth perspective, we know that USC is going to be really good. They have so many good players uh, coming back as well. If Zachariah Branch is able to step in and be an alpha in that room as a true freshman, which he has the talent to do, that changes everything, I think. I think that completely changes the dynamic of this team because he is the type of deep threat that I don't think that USC... I don't want to say USC didn't have last year because they had great players, but he's different. He he is just a different type of player, and uh, I I think that it's going to be a lot of fun if he's able to come in and contribute in a big way right away. And it's just a difference of bringing in a transfer like Dorian Singer to add, to supplement, to raise, rather than to be relied upon. So that's a – you have Mario Williams, who transfers from Oklahoma, but he's been there now. So he knows what's up. He's been with Lincoln Riley. You're bringing that guy back. Okay, good. You're bringing in Dorian Singer as an experienced guy who has done it transfer, and now you're bringing in the number one receiver recruit in the country, and then you're moving a top 50 national recruit to receiver as well. That's – I'm great. Dorian Singer elevates, but like there's too many other positions where they're like, hey, our whole thing is transfer. So I just wonder about that. Speaking of trades, Malachi Nelson, I was going to trade him to Georgia, didn't have a great spring game. Lincoln Riley said he'd kind of been battling some injuries. He thought even that Malachi played and was willing to put himself out there was a big deal. He's a true freshman. He's a young guy, but he's also... Mike and Riley basically said Miller Moss, who looked pretty good in the spring game, is going to be the number two. Malachi Nelson's not going to be the backup quarterback. He threw two picks. One was on the last play of the first half in the end zone on a fade. Doesn't really count. The other one was a pick. Just missed some throws. Young guy. I was going to trade him to Georgia for Bear Alexander. But, you know, he's the next evolution. But it's nice to have that other guy, like to have a Miller Moss who looks – Lincoln Riley was said he changed his body. He put on some – weight it it made him have better arm strength it makes him it made him faster he made a a physical evolution this offseason that if you're in that quarter you're in a quarterback room with Caleb Williams you better physically evolve so it feels like 
you know, they're not one one play away from having to play a true freshman who's not ready there. But um, you just assume that Lincoln Raleigh's going to have good quarterbacks, and as long as Caleb Williams is doing his thing, it doesn't really matter. But since we talked about Malachi, you know, you could see that that was a young guy out there in that spring game. Yeah, I mean, again, a lot of comparisons, I think, to that to, to our Texas conversation, right, where there's going to be so much excitement about this freshman coming in, but experience matters. Uh, and I think that we discount some of these high, you know, guys who are still blue chip recruits. Miller Moss was still a blue chip recruit coming out of high school, and he's been there for a couple of years, and he backed up Caleb Williams. So, you know, like Malik Murphy, he's going to be a, a factor in a big way in this quarterback room. Look, I think that, you know, we saw uh, Malachi Nelson actually throw more passes in the spring game than Miller Moss, but I think that a lot of that is just getting loose, just getting healthy, just uh, having an opportunity to play live reps as well. So I I think that Lincoln Riley, you know, the fact that he kind of set the quarterback expectations right from the get-go and said, you know, Malachi Nelson's going to be our third guy, I'm sure they're probably going to try to redshirt him. I I think that that puts the whole room in in a much better position. So in the end, that was not the team that I thought, boom, take them right now and put them in the midst of a playoff race. No, no, no. So you can see the peaks, but I don't know that you see it across one through 44, one through 22, both sides of the ball to think like it's all the way there. It might get there. You know, they're they're still adding people again. They're going to be, we can say, hey, why are you so active in the portal? But if they get good players, they get good players. You know, we're basically done with recruiting. They signed like the last good guy on the board, Deuce Robinson, as the one of the top tight ends in the country. And Lincoln Raleigh is excited about him. He just signed with USC and he might be on the field this fall. So that's like it's a place that people want to be. So once they get everything settled and the additions are supplements, not primaries, then I think we're talking about a different version of USC. We're just I don't think we're there yet. So what does that mean in a, in a competitive Pac-12? doesn't mean they aren't going to be good. It doesn't leave me coming out of this thinking like, hey, you know, warm up the national title truck for the Trojans. All right, when we come back, let's talk a little Penn State football, and we'll do it next on the College Football Survivor Show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Doug and Shahan, Penn State. Is Penn State, Shahan, the team that we thought, boom, pick them up, drop them in a playoff race tomorrow? Not for me. Not for me, no. Not for me. Not for me either. You can see some stuff there, but they have a quarterback battle that I didn't think was great. <laughs> and I don't think anybody watching it thought it was great. And this is this is the thing. It's podcast, man. Podcasts ruin everything. They had a quarterback in Sean Clifford for 10 years, however long it was. I actually think he started for four. That Penn State, by the end, knew exactly what Sean Clifford was. Good, bad, veteran, limited, winning, right? And at some point, if you want to go beyond that, you've got to go beyond that. And so I think they're trying to do that now. But the result is a spring game with two second-year guys, Drew Aller and Bo Prabula, Prabula, PR. I-B-U-L-A, Prabula, who are trying to replace Sean Clifford and have more upside in different ways. But I, it was kind of rough the way that looked. And their stats weren't horrible, 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 but they were a lot of throws that were missed. Drew Aller was 19 of 30 for 202. Bo Prabula was 10 of 26 for 92 yards. You, Aller especially showed the peaks and I know reading coverage from Penn State writers that I trust, 
Bob Flounders, one of them at PennLive.com, saying like he made throws that we have not seen a Penn State quarterback make in decades. And he had a the only touchdown of the whole game for Penn State in the spring game. I think it was his fourth read. And he got across the formation all the way to the other side and he found a guy down the middle of the field where the defender had fallen down and he was wide open and he ripped it down the middle of the field. He also made a couple throws on the move that were like, holy moly. There was in the four games that we watched for these four teams, Shahan, I did have one holy cuss word moment watching these four teams and it was not at USC and it was not Penn State. So we'll get to that holy moly moment in a minute. But... There's a lot of good at Penn State. There's a lot of questions, it seems like, at quarterback coming out of spring. No, I, I think that that's fair. Drew Aller looked like a redshirt freshman. He, he looked like somebody still trying to figure things out. Uh, obviously, it doesn't help playing against a really good defense like Penn State has, but it, it was inconsistent for sure. Uh, I think that the thing that you mentioned is is right. The piece that I probably liked best from Drew Aller from this game was that you did see a little bit more explosiveness, I think, than we've seen from Penn yeah. State in a little while. Uh, you know, Penn State's uh, SIDs put together kind of a package on their website of their stats. You know, they had eight plays of 15-plus passing yards in this game. And, like, I, I don't have Sean Clifford's numbers in front of me. I assume that his average depth of target was, like, four yards I like this is this is different when you're having numerous numerous plays of 15 plus yards down the field um and I think that uh and I think that most of those if not all were from Aller so that's the that's the what he brings to your game that's where he has a chance to be special that's where he has a chance to be a difference maker uh you know and from that perspective again still they're still trying to figure it out of course but I thought Omari Evans had a really, really nice game for them. He looks like a player who can maybe push his way into the rotation, who we didn't necessarily expect. They have a couple transfers uh, at receiver as well, some of whom aren't on campuses yet. So, you know, I, I think that you see the upside of what this unit can be. And, you know, when we talk about Penn State's running game, we know what they're going to be with Katron Allen and Nick Singleton coming back. You feel pretty good about where the offensive line is at. I think that this was the piece that we were wondering about, and it was inconsistent. It's not ready yet, but I do think that you see the upside there. So James Franklin was very upfront about like they're looking for a third receiver. They have uh, Kendra Lambert Smith, who is back. They have Harrison Wallace as their top two guys, they assume. And then they're looking for this third guy. And like you said, Amari Evans really showed up in a lot of ways in that spring game, had the touchdown pass, gave a lot of hope. Dante Cephas is transferring from Kent State. He'll be in that mix, as you mentioned. This is one of those where you can – when we get to Florida State, Florida State had some guys who could have gone to the NFL, stay. And Matt Millen on the on the Big Ten Network broadcast of the Penn State spring, spring game was talking about this. Parker Washington, I, I've always I always really liked at Penn State. He went to the NFL draft, and Matt Millen is like at the point of his <laughs> career, he doesn't care what people think. Sure, he was just sure. like, I think he made a mistake. He should have stayed. Now, old time football guys never want anybody to leave early for the NFL. It's like you understand <laughs> the NFL, they get money, right? Is that how? But if you add yeah. Parker Washington to this offense as a number one receiver, and you drop everybody down a spot. Man, you might really uh, – Parker Washington was really good. I don't know what – he's – I don't know where he's going to be, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick in the NFL. Could he have elevated himself if he had stayed? But they're hurting a little bit there, and James Franklin admitted that. Their offensive line's good. They have basically all their starters back. They they lost their center, Juice Scruggs. There's a bunch of good Big Ten centers who are going to get drafted next week. But they have five other guys back who all started in various ways last year. So they have like four and a quarter starters back on the offensive line, inclu including Olu Fashani at left tackle, who could have gone to the NFL draft and probably been a first-round pick, and he stayed. That's huge. Offensive line, good. Running game, as you mentioned, good. Secondary, they just pump them out. It's crazy. College now. Their secondary is always good. Joey Porter is going to be a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. That's a corner, and they're going to be fine. Yeah. Kalen King was awesome last year. They have some safety guys that are popping already that people see. So that's going to be really good. Curtis Jacobs, Abdul Carter, like they have linebackers. They always have that 
in the spring game, they're talking about they think they're going to miss P.J. Mustafer up the middle on the defensive line. But Danny Dennis Sutton, as an edge guy who's a five-star edge guy, kind of blew up the spring game. People are super psyched about that guy. That's a five-star who's making an impact early in his career. He's been on campus less than a year, and he's ready to go. The defense is going to be good. A couple years ago, their offensive line was a problem. Their offensive line is going to be good. Defense, good. Offensive line, good. Running backs, good. And it's just the pass game. And it's the pass game that has to elevate this whole thing. And they often run a top receiver through there. Jahan Dotson was at the spring game on the sideline talking about stuff. Jahan Dotson was awesome, right? Chris Godwin was awesome. They have great receivers there. If they figure this out, Jahan, there is a ceiling there because there is a foundation there that has built a floor. I think a high floor. But I don't think Penn State wants to talk about a high floor. Penn State wants to talk about a ceiling that allows Penn State to compete with Ohio State and Michigan. And that includes, I think, I think we agree, it almost has to include a dynamic passing game. And the thing that is, it's not making me nervous. James Franklin and Mike Yersich, the offensive coordinator, it's their decision. But the guys in the broadcast are talking about Bo Perbula has got a little Trace McSorley in him. They like to run the ball with him. Right. Matt McGloin was doing the sideline broadcast. It's like Moxie Central over there. It's Matt McGloin, and we're talking about Trace McSorley, and Bo Perbula wears the same number as Trace McSorley. And then the other guy stands back there and slings it. And it's like, please pick the sling it guy. <laughs> Trace McSorley was great. Trace McSorley was great. Elevate, elevate past that. If, right. Like, I don't think they can get to a place. They have to go with Drew Aller, the five star recruit with the arm, but he hit some throws. He also missed. A bunch of throws. So there's a part of me that thinks, man, they've got a foundation right now, but I don't know if the quarterback's going to be ready in 23. Maybe the quarterback's ready in 24, but now you lose a bunch of other people in 24. I don't know if this is going to sync up, Shahan. It's only spring, but that's going to be a big month of August development in that quarterback room if Penn State's going to be everything Penn State can be. This is one of the 10 best programs in the country. This program is good enough to take the next step but it almost is going to require consistent, dynamic play from Drew Aller. I think it has to be Drew Aller as a starting quarterback. No offense to Bo Perbula. They were talking about giving him the Will Levis package during the spring game. It's like, hey, that's some of that Will Levis stuff. It's like, oh, you mean when you had Will Levis and you used him as a backup battering ran quarterback and then he went to Kentucky and became a top 10 NFL draft pick? So watch out. Like there's a little bit of that. I'm like, uh-oh. Start saying Will Levis around Penn State. I don't know that that's a positive. It's like, remember when we had Will Levis? And then it was like, eh, get out of here. But you didn't have <laughs> you didn't have Drew Aller blocking Will Levis back then. So th- there's there's a chance for something to be here, Shahan. But I I you saw it maybe on like thirty percent of the throws in the spring game, and you need to see it on seventy percent of the throws. <laughs> I start saying Will Levis around Shahan, and you're also not going to get a very positive answer, but. <laughs> I think, you know, look, we have not seen, I mean, let's take a step back. Let's look at the Big Ten, right, over the past five or so years. I mean, obviously, Ohio State has pumped out quarterbacks. And after that, it it has been a real struggle. You know, I, I think that Michigan has done a pretty decent job with Jim Harbaugh, but it's not like they've had standouts necessarily they're obviously hoping that jj mccarthy can be uh you know i I think that penn state like you said they are they have such a tradition under james franklin of players who just play really hard and do some nice things and that's great trace mcsorley is up there with the you know the top passers in the history of penn state because he consistently did some really nice things but, you know, if, if you had a player who maybe isn't up there among the top passers of all time because he leaves early because he's an NFL player, that also might be kind of nice. And obviously, you know, look, a lot of work left to do for Drew Aller, but he was one of the top quarterbacks in the country coming out. He is the kind of quarterback recruit that outside of Christian Hackenberg, who, you know, obviously had a lot of context for what happened there and in his struggles. I mean, he is up there with the best quarterback recruits that Penn state has ever gotten. And I, I think obviously the difference between a situation like Hackenberg, where he's having to do everything and carry a program through a total mess. And Drew Aller is that Drew Aller is stepping into a situation where things feel perfectly crafted for him. It feels like this is 
the team, this you know, it feels like they're peaking in a lot of spaces on the defense right now. It feels like they're peaking at running back. It feels like they're peaking on the offensive line. And it's really tough for a first-year starter to come in and be that next step. But we've seen it more in recent years than we have in the past. Obviously, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, chief among them. They both, uh, you know, had their teams right there in the conversation as first-year starters. And so it'll be something to keep an eye on. But Drew Aller's not ready yet. He looks like a redshirt freshman. And he's going to have a big summer to try to get ready for, ready for that fall. It, it feels like this program's in a really good spot. Penn State just happens to be in the same division as Ohio State and Michigan. And in the modern college football world, if you're truly going to be great, it is really hard to do it if you don't have some dynamic play at quarterback. But the other thing is, if you don't have that, how do you do it? Play great defense. And they have the ability to do that. They do that a lot. Manny Diaz, I thought, had a good year as Penn State's defensive coordinator. That was a good hire, man. So the secondary, they just do something back there. That secondary, it plays smart and hard and physical, and they're long and they're lean, and there's a lot to like. So I probably, after watching the spring game and hearing James Franklin talk about it, I probably came out of it slightly less enthused about Penn State than I thought I would be. And it's just because the quarterbacks missed some throws. And that's all. I don't you don't want to put everything on these two young guys. They're second year guys. But but, but it's, it's all on them. But it's, it's all but, on them. But it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we don't have to say it, but that doesn't make it not true. But no, it, Parker Washington leaving does kill me. I, I mean, it feels like maybe he just felt like he's like, well, I, I got to be Jahan Dotson last year and Jahan Dotson got to go to the NFL. So I'm going to go to the NFL too. And, uh, you know, if you look at the CBS sports prospect rankings, he's number 97. I mean, look, maybe I'm wrong. And, and obviously the opportunity to go and get paid and be an NFL player and get to your second contract earlier, that, that all matters. But like, it feels like you definitely could have improved your draft stock catching passes from Drew Aller instead of Sean Clifford. That just feels like something that probably could have happened. But, uh, you know, obviously what's done is done. He, he's gone now. I'm going to be interested to see. It feels like they have a depth of talent at receiver a little better than what they've had. Because like you said, they've had that guy for the past couple of years. They haven't necessarily had a room full of guys. And I think with the talent that they bring back, uh, I'm pretty optimistic about what Dante Cephas can be. They also brought in a transfer from Florida State, Malik McLean, uh, who had been a contributor there. We have to wait and see. Obviously, nothing's promised. But if they have three or four plus level Big Ten receivers, that, that's a pretty good place to start. And that's going to give, I think, Drew Aller a lot of choices. It's funny. We don't want to put too much on the quarterback. Drew Aller came out with the ones and they went three and out on the first drive. And then they interviewed Mike Yersich, the offensive coordinator during the spring game. And they were like, Hey, how's it going? He was like, well, we went three and out the first drive. That wasn't great. And it's like, okay, nope, this matters. It's on the quarterback. Sorry. It's not us. It's not us. It's, it's the coaches. So that that's where they are. There's a chance for something to be there. And they get Michigan and Ohio state later in the year. They open with West Virginia. Then they have Delaware in week two, UMass is their other non-conference game. Like they're the, like they have a chance to ease into this a little bit. And once you get to mid-October, will the quarterback spot be in a, in a place where everything else will fall into place? It could be. Keep your eye on Penn State. This is not the team that I thought. Boom, pick them up and yeah. put them in the playoffs. So please, please let me uh, wax poetic about that that West Virginia game to open the season because my God, do I hate West Virginia next year? I think they're going to be an absolute terrible football team, and Neil Brown's going to get fired. Oh, oh, opening the door for Nick Saban to leave Alabama and come <laughs> no, home no, to West no, Virginia. No, 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 no. Come on, that's ridiculous. Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher. Oh, right, right, right. No, we yeah, already yeah. did that. Come on, we, 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 already down this road. we already talked about it. And, uh, you know, obviously it's going to be a good test to figure out, can Penn State score 25 points on September 23rd? Because if they do, the sky is the limit since we're playing Iowa. I think we're going to do Iowa spring game next week. I think we're going to do it. <laughs> we normally like to talk about playoff teams, but I can't help myself. So when you look at a, a lot of the top programs had their spring game already. When you look at people who have them this coming Saturday, Alabama does, LSU does, Washington, Oregon State. There's not as much depth of content there. Colorado does, I think. Uh, so we might be able to squeeze in Iowa next week. Stick around. You never know. All right, let's do some Tennessee. And... Tennessee 
is interesting because I am excited about 2024 Tennessee. I'm not sure about <laughs> 2023 Tennessee because they paired Nico Iamalieva at quarterback, who's a true freshman, with uh, Cameron Selden in the backfield, who's another true freshman, who's 6'2", 215, and was like running over people. He had 10 carries for 44 yards and three catches for 43 yards. And those two guys in year two, I'm like, sign me up for the 12-team playoff in Tennessee, making a reboot here. Joe Milton is going to be the starter to open the year. He played in the bowl game last year for Tennessee after Hendon Hooker got hurt. Nico, who is just a fascinating quarterback to watch, and we talked about him when we did a recruit pod a couple months ago. He was 8 of 16 for 112 yards. Joe Milton, who's a 60-year guy, former Michigan transfer, 9 of 13 for 79 yards. Joe Milton can throw it a mile. He's not always the most accurate guy. They were talking about the Joe Milton on the broadcast. They were saying Joe Milton can throw a baseball 96 miles per hour, but he's never played baseball before. (laughs) I was like, wow. That's the most Joe Milton stat I've ever heard. If one person taught Joe Milton how to throw a baseball for five minutes, he could throw a hundred. So that's, that's but, Joe Milton. But, but to be fair, he also would never hit the strike zone would never, ever hit the strike zone. So this is where they are. And as we said, we have to kind of have this constant context of who played their dudes who didn't in the spring game. Tennessee didn't play their top four receivers. So you, we know they're losing Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, but Brew McCoy's back. He didn't play. Dante Thornton, Oregon transfer, he didn't play. Squirrel White's going to be their speed guy. He was around last year. He didn't play. So the top four receivers didn't play at the spring game. So it's like, hey, the quarterbacks were a little inaccurate. It's like, well, who are they throwing to? But <laughs> there's there's something there at Tennessee. There is something there. And I, you get enthused when teams have a breakthrough and then seem to recruit off the breakthrough and it Maybe it's not a peak. It's the new standard. And that might have been what Tennessee did. I just don't know what that means for 2023. But I had fun watching their spring game, Shahan. Yeah, it was it was an interesting game. I felt like every time I looked up, because I kind of had this one running in the background, it was their third string quarterback in the game. Like I, His name is like Gaston something. And I was just like... This is not what I turned this on to see. This is tearing it up, though. He was tearing it up. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was doing some stuff for sure. Uh, and then you know, anytime that Joe Milton would come up, you'd notice because the ball would come out of his hand so fast, and his receiver would look terrified to try to catch it. Uh, you know, I I think that Nico looked like a freshman, which he obviously is. Uh, but he had some moments too where where he flashed the talent. It, by a lot of places, he ended up. Uh, he, a lot of places ended up rating him the number one quarterback coming out. It just depends on what rating you're looking at. So, I mean, he is a big, big time player. Uh, we obviously have talked about Malachi Nelson and and Arch Manning. I think that Nico is up there, if not even slightly ahead. You could make the argument of some of those guys. So, a, a really talented player. I think you're right, though, and you definitely felt the fact that Tennessee was playing without a lot of their top receivers because there were moments where it was just a slog. <laughs> it was yeah. just a, a total slog. Um, I thought that their defensive front played pretty well, though also, you know, with spring games, it's always hard to tell what's the defensive line playing well and what's the offensive line not looking good at all. Um, I, I think, though, it was a lot more about the defensive line. I think that they did a good job of filling gaps and staying sound. So, you know, I yeah, they showed a lot of nice little things, and I don't know how many of them really matter all that much for what they're going to be in 2023. So this was my holy moly movement, because Nico Iamalieva had a play where he rolled right, he floated right, he is smooth, he's tall and he's smooth. He's 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 humongous. Yeah, he is humongous. he, He just looks like a different guy on the field. And then he moves in a way that you didn't necessarily think that a guy who looks like that could move. He's very fluid. And he just was floating to the right. And he just whipped the ball down the sideline to Ethan Davis, who's another freshman. The Tennessee people, like reporters coming to Tennessee, there seems to be excitement around the tight ends, as good as their receivers were last year. You lose guys like Hyatt and Tillman. You're going to maybe take a little bit of a step back, although they, I think they have four guys they believe in. But Ethan Davis... Again, building on this, Nico, number three player in the country, according to 247 Sports Composite Rating, true freshman. Cameron Selden, who just, again, they 
that's, it looks like they have a dude at running back. He was the number 133 player in the country. And Ethan Davis, who caught this pass from Nico, was the number 142 player in the country. That's three true freshmen that are out there making plays in the spring game on offense. It was a 30-yard ball down the sideline, like over the coverage, right on the guy's hands, on a line, on the move, where he didn't even set his feet. And it, I said, I, I'm sitting here at 2 o'clock in the morning in my office by myself, and I swore. And it, that's Nico made me do that. Nico Iomaliyeva made me swear to myself. So there, there is something there again. When you and again the, the context, we have to keep context. It was very smart by you to say that. Arch Manning, true freshman at Texas. Yeah. Malachi Nelson, true freshman at USC. Yeah. Nico, Nico of like guys like that. Nico's I don't think ready tomorrow. No, but no. I'll be curious how this evolves because as, and I think we talked about this before with the, with the recruit thing. There's a chance for this to be a Kelly Bryant, Trevor Lawrence situation like at Clemson where Kelly Bryant was a veteran who started at the beginning of the year and then Trevor Lawrence took over. I think that could happen with Joe Milton and Nico Iamalieva. And year two and three for him at Tennessee have a chance to be really special. But I 247 Sports, I appreciate when people do this kind of thing. They've gathered sort of all the preseason too early picks and polls that people do, and they compiled them. Tennessee and that is ninth, like the number nine team in the country. For right now, I don't know that I'm there. You know, they have they have some defensive guys, some transfers. Uh, Omar Norton Lott from Arizona State had a good spring. People said they have a BYU guy mixing in there. They have some people. I just Hendon Hooker and those receivers really made so much happen last year. I don't know that Tennessee maintains that level, like a top ten team on the field this season level, but like top 10 program that's building something, I'll buy that. So I, I, I think they're maybe not quite all the way there for this season though, Sean. No, I, I don't think it's right now. I mean, and I think that, like you said, Nico has a chance, I think, to maybe come in and make a huge impact at the end of the year. And I'm going to be curious to see how long that kind of transition takes. Because, you know, I think that. Look, Joe Milton, obviously, he, he went out. He dominated Clemson in, in the bowl game. I think that he obviously very much deserves to start. The other thing that I'll mention, too, that I think benefits both of these players is that this offense is not a hard offense, right? Like, Josh Heupel runs sort of a variation of that old Baylor offense, and it is a largely one-read look. And Hendon Hooker was able to elevate it because of – his maturity, because of his accuracy, and because of his ability to move. But, you know, I mean, I don't think it's going to take all that long for Nico to be ready, as opposed to maybe being in a more pro-style situation or whatever you want to call it. And so I'm going to I'm gonna be keeping a close eye on that. You know, Tennessee, they go Virginia, Austin P at Florida. You know, that'll probably be a good test for them. UTSA, South Carolina, Texas A&M. And then they get at Alabama, obviously, the third Saturday in October. I'm curious when a change would come. You know, I, yeah. I wonder if it is a midway through the Alabama game sort of change, right? That sort of situation. And then you close the year because they still have Georgia later in the year because Tennessee lives in hell and they have to play Alabama and Georgia every single year. But I, I think that, you know, maybe that's the moment that you get it. And and certainly, look, Hendon Hooker couldn't do anything against that Georgia defense. But, you know, I think that... Nico has more upside, I think it's fair to say, than Hendon Hooker. Uh, you know, he's a freshman, so he's going to make a lot more mistakes, probably going to throw three picks if he plays against Georgia. But, you know, I think that he's also the type of player who might be able to make some things happen as well. So I'll be keeping a close eye on that. I I, I have questions about the receivers, but we didn't really get to answer any of them because none of them yeah. played in the spring game. Uh, Brew McCoy is a sure thing after that, you know. We'll see, but this is also a very easy receiver system as well. You know, a lot of a lot of running straight down the field. So it, it'll be something to keep an eye on. I don't necessarily know that we answered a ton of questions for me about this Tennessee team, but they're going to be fun. They're definitely going to be fun. So Tennessee in that sort of the composite of, of all the preseason rankings, Tennessee is nine. Penn State, who we just talked about, is five. USC, who, who we just talked about, is six. And the last team, and, and by the way, the, the teams that we did the other day on the first sort of spring breakdown podcast, Georgia, number one, Ohio State, number three, Clemson, number 12, and Texas, number 18. So we're trying to hit the teams that matter on this show, which means we're going to hit Florida Texas State. too, yeah. 
really if they don't win the big 12 this year that that's going to be our entire series of off-season shows is just me complaining about texas because the, it, there's just no excuses there's no excuses anyway, anyway pe- let's move on let's the move people on. are here for it it's so good okay so <laughs> that means we have this last team to talk about they were number seven in this composite preseason ranking. It's Florida State, and we'll do them next on the College Football Survivor Show. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, Doug and Shahan. I think if I had an AP preseason vote, I would consider ranking Florida State first. I think <laughs> right. I'm not all even right, All right, all right, all right, all let's, right. Let's, let's, let's take a deep so, breath <laughs> They played their dudes like they played all their guys, and yeah. which, which matters. And they kind of played like they showed you what they are. They are just an unbelievable mix of established talent and some guys, younger guys popping. But this is this Bill Connolly metric. They showed it on the broadcast during the game. 87% of their production is back from a year ago. That's first in the country. And they were talking on the broadcast in 2020. They were the youngest team in the country. So they've taken their lumps. They've built this from the ground up. And I had never quite placed it before, but Jordan Travis, who's their Heisman candidate, veteran quarterback, who's in like year five or six, I realized who he reminds me of and the way he plays. And it's Troy Smith, 2006 Heisman winner. And it's just a little bit of a a guy who's kind of a little bit compact and powerful, and can move around, but I think he'll probably run less this year, just like Troy did in his Heisman year, because you don't need to, because you have a complete grasp of the offense and you have a bunch of weapons to get the ball to, so that doesn't rely on you. And that combination with Jordan Travis leading that offense and some real dudes at receiver and a deep and experienced offensive line, and then a defense, again, that has some peak, peak guys. Shahan, this is the team. I came away from watching Florida State and thought, put them on the field tomorrow and let's see how this thing goes. I I know, well, not. Right now, my top two teams in the country going into 2023 are Florida State and Michigan. And um, I don't apologize. So am I I too excited about what is happening happening in Tallahassee? (laughs) Like, man. They, he's rubbing his eyes. He's rubbing his eyes, people. He's rubbing his <laughs> eyes. Like, here's the thing, is that I want to be really excited about Florida State. And then and, and then you set the bar here. <clears throat> what am I supposed to do with I this? I ruined it. What am I, what, right. what am I supposed to do with number? I was like, yeah, I think that I'd legitimately considered them as a preseason top five team and felt really excited about that. And then you're over here like, I might vote them number one. Number one yeah. in the country, and, and and if I don't, it's only because I pick Michigan instead. I oh my goodness, it. So you yeah. know, if if we if we want to get into that, I'm voting Georgia number one because like I'm I'm just I ran into this with Oklahoma whenever I do preseason Big Twelve polls. I voted against them in 2018. No, no, 2017. Uh, because it was like Mason Rudolph's final year. And I'm like, this is the year they get over the hump. They win Bedlam. Oklahoma's not going to win the Big 12. And of course, Oklahoma won the Big 12. And so it, it's just one of those that's like, you know what? You made me look dumb. Like, like I just have to vote Georgia number one until they don't anymore. Like, <laughs> I just have to at this point. Okay, step back. Florida State had a great spring game. They looked like, I mean, you know, obviously we've watched a little bit too much spring game tape the past couple of days. They looked like the one real football team (laughs) playing a spring game. Like they looked like they were playing a competitive game. It wasn't just like some stuff happening. 
And uh, like you said, play at a lot of the starters that plays a big role in it. I thought they looked impressive on both sides uh, of the trenches, which is a huge deal for them because that was their fatal flaw in the final years of the Jimbo Fisher era. Uh, it, it doomed them after, you know, whatever it was, 18 games or whatever of the Willie Taggart era. I think that Mike Norvell dug deep early and decided to to play the long game with this. And I'm honestly relieved that they did. I, I was honestly very worried that that they were going to turn on Mike Norvell before I felt like he even had a chance to try to fix anything. And they stuck with him. Now it's paying off. He's a good football coach, right? I, I mean, we've seen him do this before at Memphis. We've seen him as a coordinator at Arizona State before that. He, he's a good football coach. And I think that you just look at a team right now that has an identity. I, I just think that they understand where they're supposed to be i think they understand what they're supposed to do i think that they have dynamic talent at the right positions and i mean look i think it's also quite an endorsement that they did have multiple players who could have gone to the nfl who wanted to be part of something here i think that that seeps through the program i think that that changes the way that people think about this knowing that there's this group who knows it's their last ride that knows it's their last chance and they want to be here. I mean, I, I don't want to get too far into cliches, but it's, I mean, this really was a a serious looking football team that looks ready to compete. And I I think Jordan Travis, we saw the improvement last season. I think that's only going to continue into next year. I love their receiver room. I think that they, you know, on the offensive line have looked really mature uh, and the the returning production that they have on defense, this this is the year. You know, I, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on that Clemson Florida State game. I think that could be one of the best games of the entire season. They have seven offensive linemen with at least 23 career starts. It's wow, ridiculous depth. <laughs> Again, this is off the broadcast. Really ridiculous depth. Johnny Wilson is our number one receiver. Didn't see much of him in the spring game. He's 6'7", 235, just a monster. I thought of the the eight spring games that, that we've watched now for what we talked about this week, the guy who kind of popped in the spring game that is sort of a new guy that felt the most real was Kentron Portier for Florida State at receiver. 6'3", 205. He's a fourth-year guy. He had 14 catches last year. He looked awesome. He made a one-handed catch. He caught a touchdown. He was making plays all over the field. And I, you line this up. Johnny Wilson, 6'7". Kentron Portier, 6'3". And then Jaheim Bell, the tight end transfer from South Carolina, who also made a couple plays in the spring game, he's 6'3", 235. That's like they have three top weapons. They're all gigantic with a, right. with a smart veteran quarterback in Jordan Travis who knows exactly how to get them the ball. Now, he, he threw a goofy pick. He wasn't spectacular the whole game but nobody's worried about that because Jordan Travis knows how to play and he's he is in control of that and then on the defensive side of the ball Jared Verse is like the biggest return Olaf who's up there for Penn State at tackle would have been a first round pick Jared Verse would have been a first round pick he's back and then Patrick Payton on the other side of him was a was the ACC newcomer of the year last season on the broadcast they said he's added weight he looked awesome there was a play, because again, they played their real guys a lot. There's this veteran offensive line, and there are just plays where it's like, well, the defensive, the two edge guys just ate up that play immediately. And they're just they're just gonna do that. They're gonna do that this season. And so, man, they just maybe it's strategy by Mike Norvell of, of how what he decided to put out there and how they showcased it. But holy moly, did they look like a real football team when a lot of people look like they are going through the motions of a glorified practice, which is fine. You're there to learn. But if you're trying to catch somebody's eye, Florida State did it the right way. Both sides of the ball with peaks and with depth across the board. This actually gets to an interesting existential question about spring games, which is, you know, if you're a coach. What do you think is the most important thing for whether it's fans or media or coaches or the players themselves? What what do you think is the most important thing to try to express in a spring game? I think you want to set up your team to feel good about itself going into the summer. Yeah. No, I, I, think, I totally I agree. I think Florida State feels good. 
No, I, I think that uh, there's two parts. I think that the the first part is what you said. You know, you want the team to feel good about itself. I, I think you also want fans to be excited about the team too. I think that's the other part of it too. You know, we have these we have these fake spring games. Uh, you know, I, I know that. I think Oklahoma might be having injury issues on the offensive line. And so they've got like the weird defensive scoring system. Like, I hate that stuff. Like, just, just play a fun game. It's not that serious. It's a scrimmage. <laughs> like, it's fine. Um, I mentioned earlier this week, I love what Dabas when he does where he's like on the mic and commenting and doing all this sort of stuff. Like, I think, like, yeah, you want players and fans, I think, to feel really good about themselves and, and just to have a fun event and have a memorable event. Cause, so many of these things are just a slog, to be honest. Like, so many of them are. So I think that what Florida State did coming out, showing off some really good parts of their game, uh, I think that that's exactly how you want to do it. And now, I, I I repeat, I'm not voting them number one in the preseason poll. I will not do that. But, you know, I, I think it does remind us that, hey, Whenever we do make our playoff picks, which <laughs> if you listen to our show a couple of months ago where we made our way, way too early ones, I am I am struggling. I am on the fence so much because I think that that sort of 3 to 15 uh, range is so close. I think that Florida State showed some stuff in this game that you have to feel really good about. I think I picked them on that playoff show, and I feel great I about it. I think you did. I, feel, I think you did. I feel great. Yeah, you should have picked them as the one seed. I, yeah, who knew? Who knew I did? I didn't. I didn't even realize what I was doing. Kalen Deloach, a linebacker, made a couple big plays. I just, oh boy, there's just a lot there. Good backup quarterbacks. They almost like the they, they have some experienced guys. Yeah, you know, if Jordan Travis hurts his toe for a week or two, I think they can keep it rolling with the talent they have, the offensive line they have. It's just nice to see. It's nice to see. It's nice to see new friends, right? Like TCU and Cincinnati. Like welcome new friends welcome it's nice to see old new friends like hey florida state remember when you mattered it wasn't that long ago it was a decade ago you won a national championship not the playoff era didn't even have it really mattered so let's do this so i think i think it really really has a chance to do that i i don't have it right in front of me but if you are so inclined it's hard would you really bet them to win the national title i don't know i'd bet them to make the playoff I don't know if books have make the playoff bets, but I would bet them to make the playoff and and Clemson. We did Clemson on the previous show this week. Like, look out, Clemson, baby. Florida State's coming for you. So I, I liked watching those four teams. No doubt about who who I think it was the most impressive with the Seminoles. We'll get to some more teams again. Bama has its spring game this Saturday. LSU, some other teams. Michigan had it so long ago that we didn't do a spring game thing on Michigan. We'll get back to them and wrap them up a little bit. There's some other teams that we want to hit, but for now, we appreciate you guys making us part of your week. We just want to bring you the context of some of the best teams in college football. I think we did that this week with the eight teams that we looked at. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the spring games this weekend. For now, for Shahan J. Haraja, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.